And then about two days later, they're like, so you're coming in for the lunch service, right? To be a server. And I had never done anything. And um, my mouth moved quicker than my brain and was like, yeah, that's fine. Um, I had never waited a table in my life and was just like, I mean, how hard could it be? And then that was, you know, 12 years ago where then I have worked in, I don't even know how many other restaurants and bars and things like that. So it, um, it happened by accident and then it sucks you in and you kind of learn the, the value of the, the service industry through working in it and working with people who also love it and yeah. in Greenville. I mean, I've seen you everywhere. Magazines, <laughs> you know, uh, all over the internet. <laughs> and you're like, where? <laughs> but but um, are you originally from Greenville? I am not. I've been here um, a little under three years now. Um, before that, I, I was living in New York, uh, in New Jersey, and in New York, uh, working in New York City, where I am originally from. Uh, before that, I did spend a year in Colombia, but the past kind of eleven or twelve years have been all over the place: North Carolina, Montana, New Hampshire, Florida. Kind of, um, my twenties were itinerant at best. Okay. Yeah, I've seen you like working with brands all over the world. And I was so curious that you are like, I, that's, I think that's just a statistic, a statistical thing. There's not a lot of people here. Um, yeah. the, the brands I work with are through what I do on my day-to-day -day job. So I've worked on those partnerships. I've been with my magazine now for five years. And so I have spent a lot of time working with brand ambassadors and brands and, getting the opportunities to uh, not screw up relationships with people, hopefully, most of the time. Um, but when there's a lot of liquor involved, you never know and you have to wake up the next day and go, oh crap, I hope I didn't do anything wrong. Um, <laughs> thankfully, five years in, knock on wood, haven't done anything majorly wrong yet. In your past, something has happened? I mean, you're gonna spill the beans now? I'm sure I've made an ass of myself. Oh, no, not I'm sure. I know I've made an ass of myself multiple times on at events and things because open bars tend to do that. And that's just how it is. And you um, tuck your tail and hope yeah. for the best. I've never thought about that because I mean, I remember when I was like uh, working in PR, um, being on the events and the and you'll, there's booze like everywhere and free booze. Working and talking with the client and talking with uh, the media, the people that were invited. But then I remember my boss being like, okay, the event is done, we can drink now. Yeah, um, here it's, it's nicer because there's not as many events. When I was, you know, being in New York, you're going to multiple events a day, you know, uh, maybe 10, 15 a week or so. And so you have to really manage yourself well um a to get from point a to point b without getting robbed or lost uh but also because you do have to you know a professional demeanor and things like that um which yeah, there are times that that went the way of the wind but you know can't win them all 
But you do you like that that uh, in Greenville is like a little bit slower than in New York? Yeah, I I moved away. So I, I grew up in Jersey and I, I left for college. I went to college in North Carolina uh, for a reason. I wanted to get away from the city. You know, I, I grew up there. It was fine. Um, I went back for job purposes. And after about a year and a half of that, um, most of the that time was spent on the road anyway. I was traveling for for work. And so I would fly out for a week. I'd be gone for a week or two, come back and... Um, the time back was as hectic as being on the road. So trying to, you know, whether it's make a connection or you're up at 4am in a foreign country uh, to do your job before you have to do everything else. And so uh, being able to have a home base that is slightly quieter um, and slightly, not slightly, a home base that's quieter, but also more, not easy, easy is not the right word, but uh, it's easier to build a community here. Um, it's a smaller place. You get to know people a lot quicker. Um, yeah. I have a lot of people that I know I can depend on here. And I know that even if I'm on the other side of the world, like I can come back to something that feels like home. So after spending, you know, 12 years, basically bopping around to random places uh, to have a place that feels like home feels great. Well, I guess that it was better when you were younger also because you had the energy to do that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, um, it definitely. So my my year 2016, I was on the road for literally half the year. Um, and you there's I find a great uh, sense of catharsis in being in airport lounges. And it's just where I find a sense of whether it's Zen or calm or something where I I can work, I can have my Bloody Mary, I can do whatever. Uh, but at the same time, the the wear and tear of travel, like physiologically, it starts to wear you down where, yeah. um, you know, being on the road for two or three weeks straight when you are in different hotels or you're in different time zones and you're still trying to navigate, you know, a full-time job, but also maintain relationships with the people wherever else, uh, we have friends, family, whatever uh when you don't know what time it is half the time uh it tends to wear on you a little bit and so i've i've been scaling back travel i take trips well in the long long ago i took trips that i then really wanted to do so i you know i had the opportunity to go to hungary i had never been i knew very little about it i got to go and experience this very amazing culture that i otherwise would not have known about uh and so I have been very selective with what I do these days. Um, well, not the past few months. There's nothing to select from. But when the opportunity was there, I was getting more selective with it so that the trips meant more and I could get more out of them. Um, you know, I get invited to Guadalajara and Jalisco uh, often. Um, I've been a couple times already. So, you know, it's a the law of diminishing returns where while I can see a new distillery still going to be seeing a lot of the same of Guadalajara and Tlacapaque and, you know, the, the cultural aspect of it, um, which is great and I love it, but I'd rather see something new. Yeah. Okay. But very nice that you're here. <laughs> So I know you do a little bit of everything. You write, 
and you do tastings, what what would you describe yourself? <laughs> uh, <laughs> a, a guy that got really lucky that all this shit has worked out. Um, I I mean my my full time job full time job title is food and drink editor, um, oh. but. I, you know, I wrote a cocktail book. I, I make recipes for people. Um, you know, if a friend needs a cocktail for a party or something, I'm very happy to create something new. I, I like making things. I wouldn't call myself a mixologist. I am not ever going to be in a high volume bar in New York City. I don't have the discipline, I guess, uh, to do that. I also, well, I mean, you can see it. I have a ton of stuff. I don't have the necessarily the sciencey sort of fancy ingredients that you might see in bigger cities and cocktail bars but um i make drinks and i try and make people happy on a daily basis i think that's really all i can hope for what's your favorite part um so i, I i've been cooking since i was a, a little kid you know first starting with my mom and then cooking on my own and then making drinks for people whether it was in college or wherever um the thing about any of that, the sort of creation of a product that you can give to someone that makes them feel some sort of joy is what kind of keeps me going. Like I can make a meal for people. I love inviting people over uh, to whether it's grill or cook or make drinks or, you know, have a birthday party where I can make a bunch of different types of punch and people can come and enjoy it and have a good time and when you think about like the the social interactions that come around food and drink, you you get to know people a lot better when you can share a drink with them or share a meal with them. And if we can do that, even as shitty as the sort of state of the world is, like that is still um, a good thing to, to have and to do and to look forward to because you can share a part of yourself uh, even if, you know, there's nothing else you can do. You can still give them something you made. You know, it's not a, a macaroni art thing that you're giving your mom when you're a kid, but you know, a meal is still something enjoyable. Yeah. Albeit kind of temporary. You know, I I think, yeah, I I understand you. I kind of get into it because every time I talk, I mean I'm a believe it or not, I'm very quiet when I'm around people but when I talk <laughs> I talk about booze and drinks and it's like hey I want to prepare this you want to come to my house or something like that you know um but that sounds so nice I would love to do that more often like bring people in and say hey can you drink and or do you want to have a drink I can make you this or I can make you that um <laughs> It's a, it's a really relaxing thing for me to be in a kitchen when I have friends or family over to know that I, I'm in my happy, my kitchen is my happy place. It always has been. Uh, but to be able to produce a product that I can then share with people um, makes it all the more worthwhile. Like when, I mean, I live alone. Uh, I have my dog, obviously she's not eating the meals that I make, but when I'm alone, it's, you know, rice and beans or something very simple. Yeah. Or, you know, if I'm going to have a drink, it's gin and soda or whiskey and soda. I'm not going to make anything fancy for myself, but yeah. 
I will happily uh, make a multi-ingredient cocktail or, you know, some sort of very intricate meal for even if it's one other person, I'd rather do that and spend the time and effort to show someone that, you know, I care about them or whatever through food, through drink, through whatever it is. Yeah. 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 That happens to me. That's why I try to create like content and try to make drinks. And then I'm like, gosh, am I going, am I going to drink all of this by myself? And it's like, uh, <laughs> I, I would like to have people come over and try stuff. That's why I haven't been doing like content about mixing. Just put them in bottles and call it curbside pickup. Uh, good idea. <laughs> I think I got my first job in the service industry when I was 19 or 20. So at least a decade, probably closer to 12 years now. Um, but it's been, I've been a waiter, I've been a delivery boy, front of house, sort of everything front of house, uh, bartender, bar manager. I've kind of done a little bit of everything at this point. Um, I did not know that I would be doing this. Um, I, my first job was at a Thai restaurant in my hometown that they had a, like a paper sign in the window asking for a delivery boy. And I was home, I was going to the grocery store and happened to pass it cause it was right there. And I was like, I need a job. I've got a car. Let me do this. And so I walked in and I was like, I have a license and I'm vaguely familiar with the area. I can do that job. And they were like, great, you're hired. I like your story, like how you, fall into it it was kind of like i need a job and then it evolved through the years and everything like that uh, just keep sucking you back in that's you just so wanna whether it's the the tips or just being able to be on your feet and interact with people like i i i mean i will admit i am a very extroverted introvert where i can turn it on um and at the end of the day i will you know curl up in a ball in the corner of my room and not want to see anyone but for those five or six hours or eight hours or whatever it is, I will be um, the happiest person and, you know, make it's the service industry. You want to give someone an experience, uh, a holistic experience, not just the food. You want them to enjoy every aspect of what they're doing. And so if you can turn that on and give them that because they're literally paying for it, like you're doing your job right. So that's so nice. And also that you ended up writing this book that is are you afraid of dark rum right are you afraid of the dark rum yep the the book is a it's a collection of cocktails there's 45 original cocktails that i made that are uh, all based on 90s pop culture so i was uh born in the 80s and grew up in the 90s i'm a 90s kid through and through uh it has always been a very obviously big part of my life not just sort of literally but uh, from a culture standpoint, from a pop culture standpoint, very impactful, uh, music wise, movie wise, book wise, whatever you want to, whatever you want to sort of call it. And I had been trying to shop, uh, another book project with my agent who we had found a press that was interested in what I was doing, but wanted something else. And, the I mean the the long and short of it is I got a text message on like a Friday night when I was listening to 90s music and I was drunk because it was like 9 30 or 10 or whatever 
and my immediate response was like i can write a book about the 90s um and he sent that to the press and on monday morning i get an email going yeah they want to see a full treatment or a full you know proposal and i went oh fuck all right and then i put it together and it got sold and um this is what happens when i do stupid things so uh trying to tell myself that doing more stupid things is not a good idea is not really good because I look back and go, I sold a book when I was being stupid. So, yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, I love nineties pop culture and I love making new cocktails and I love dad jokes and puns. And so it all came together in the book. I am from the nineties. So I, I mean, I can, I live in that time. How many of the years of the nineties do you remember? <laughs> but I know, I know you're gonna be like, no, but I swear I'm still in the 90s. <laughs> so Are You Afraid of the Dark Realm is from the the Nickelodeon show Are You Afraid of the Dark, which was um on SNICK, which was Saturday Night Nick. And so the that was one of the first puns that I came up with when I was thinking about 90s stuff. Um I loved Are You Afraid of the Dark as a kid. Uh, it was one of like the last shows my parents would let me stay up to watch because it was on like nine o'clock and then I had to go to bed. And so, uh, I, I mean, going back, it doesn't really hold up. It doesn't track. But back then there was this certain, you know, kind of mythos or ethos, whatever, one of those words, one of those Greek words uh, about it where, you know, the Midnight Society told these really scary stories and, uh, it always stuck with me, and that was the the kind of guiding factor. So the the main drink is a smoked rum cocktail uh, to kind of emulate the Midnight Society fire, which it was super fun to make. And I, you know, getting a smoking gun for twenty bucks on Amazon is super fun because then you can just smoke random things. And uh, smoke cocktails are maybe a little overdone, but you know, if you're smoking the right things and adding the right ingredients, then it, it just makes it fun. And it's always a nice presentation for people when they want something cool that they haven't necessarily seen before drinks rum nope yeah. there's there's a little bit of everything um so two of my favorites in the book the juice box iced tea so i i made five drink i think there's five drinks in there maybe six that are based on drinks that i had as a kid so um the sips iced tea was the kind of it was a juice box iced tea that i had in my you know lunch box that my mom would pack for me i'd have that in the peanut butter and jelly and call it a lunch uh, and so I wanted to make that into a cocktail. And so it's a bourbon cocktail with uh, limoncello in it and some orange bitters and a little bit of simple syrup to emulate Sips Ice Tea. Um, and then also Ecto Cooler, which I think everyone of my generation had at one time or another. Uh, it was just a, a high C drink that was based on Slimer from Ghostbusters. And so I found some because it's still being made and recreated and just added booze and so I made a bunch of those. Uh, and so that one's a bourbon one. Um, one of my other favorite ones in there is the fresh mint of Bel Air uh, that I, <laughs> I made a cocktail. I was in a contest uh, for Bombay Sapphire at one point where I had to use obviously gin. And so I did a basically a gin sour. So gin and strawberry and mint and uh, sparkling wine. So it's a bubbly, kind of fruity, kind of, you know, minty, sour which I'm a big fan of. To be honest, I didn't have a clue 
all that conceptualization you had because uh, I saw the drinks, but I didn't read like the names. I gotta have the book because it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, the names, they all make sense and the, and the ingredients you put into them. Where can I get the book? So if you're in Greenville, uh, M. Judson has it. Uh, but if you're not, it's on Amazon, it's on Target, Walmart, you know, any of the online book dealers, you can find it on there. But if you're in Greenville, definitely check out M. Judson and support them and get the book there. You know, sometimes I double think about when getting books, but it sounds pretty cool. I'm not going to lie. I'm a fan of the book. So thank you so much for being here. Yeah, it's been fun. You can find me online. I'm all over the place at Slaughter Rights. So Slaughter Like Murder and then Rights, W-R-I-T-E-S. And yeah, my last name is indeed Slaughter. I'm not just uh, hiding behind a fake name. I earned that one. I earned that one. I swam faster and harder. Mm-hmm.